Amen. I grew up in church, and I always remember watching our ladies group light the candles. And this year I'm going to be following the Advent calendar as presented by the Christian Women's Connection as we go, as we go through this and we talk about the different candles. And I want to take a, a moment each, each week to talk a little bit about why we're doing this and what we're doing. Because even though I grew up in church... And I was always a good little boy. It's like I always like to tell the story. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. I don't think I paid that close attention to what we were doing. I thought we lit Advent candles so we could take up money at the end of that. And the ladies could have some extra money and we could send some of it to national ministries. And yet as I got older, I've come to appreciate the symbolism and the meaning of why we light the Advent candles. And there's five candles here that we're going to be looking at. And the first one is the Hope Candle. And this is what we're going to be looking at this morning, but we're also going to cover the love, joy, peace, and what I remember being called the Christ candle. So that'll be coming in the next month as we go through the Advent season, if you will. But it's not just something that the ladies group has done so they could raise some money. Advent is a very old tradition, and some people say it goes back as much as 1,500 years. That's not something we're accustomed to for that long, but a very old tradition. And it highlights not only the birth of Jesus Christ but also our anticipation of His second coming. This morning as they lit the candle of hope, we're going to also be examining the story of Joseph, the husband-to-be of Mary. And the sermon title this morning is one that, that they mentioned in their reading, and it was, Hope Believes Yes When Our Circumstances Say No. I want to say that one more time. Hope Believes Yes 
even when our circumstances around us say no. This morning, if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter number 1, we're going to read just four verses this morning. And this is Matthew's gospel account of the birth of Christ. Now, Matthew does not include anything about the angels of the shepherds in the same way that Luke does. He does not include about the shepherds going to, to find Mary. He does not include about there not being any room for them in the inn. Matthew's purpose seems to be to a Jewish audience, which highlights Jesus' Christ's place as the Messiah. Luke, on the other hand, is, is talking about his role as a giver of life to all mankind. So we're just going to focus on Matthew's part this morning. But it's a very important part and something that we can glean much from and much hope from. If you look with me in Matthew chapter number 1, in verse 18 it says, Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise. Think about, this is the story about the birth of Jesus. It says, When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together... She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. If you go back to verse number 18, I want you to notice a few things there as we get started. He talks about how this is a story about the birth of Jesus Christ. And then very quickly he says, When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph... The closest word that we have today to the, to the word espoused is engaged. When he was engaged to one another, except the word engaged doesn't really quite explain what espoused meant. When we think about being engaged, when I got engaged to Atlanta Joe, I did the, the whole thing like you're supposed to. I went and I bought a ring and I paid too much for it. And I got down on one knee and it was wet. I think I got my knee wet. You know, I suffered. I suffered greatly. So I got down and, you know, and I went and I visited with her dad. I was like, you know, would it be okay, you know, if we got married? And, of course, I got the dad's speech, you know, the whole, the whole thing. Wonderful. It went wonderful. And then we told people we're engaged. We're planning on getting married. Except, in biblical times, it was more than just saying, well, we're engaged and we're going to get married. Jim Lyons, the director of the Church of God, writes it this way. To become engaged or espoused in the ancient world was no small step. There would be a public betrothal, celebrated by family and friends, known throughout the town. The engaged couple would then, for all intents and purposes, be, in a sense, legally married, except one important thing, they did not live together. This stage would ordinarily last for about a year, and it could only be ended by kind of a deliberate, formal procedural of engagement divorce was the way that I, word that I put in there. So, so much more than our regular engagement that we often think about today. Historians tell us that Jesus' hometown of Nazareth, Joseph's hometown, I'll say it that way, probably had about 400 people in it at the time when he was there. And that was what they kind of agree was the general population. And I want you to think about in a town of 400 people, let's just say it's even close to that, it wasn't just... Mary and Joseph's family that knew that they were engaged. It wasn't just the people there that they had contact with every day. It wasn't just the neighbor down the street who kind of kept an eye on things. Every single person in the town perhaps would have known what was going on. This would have been something, this would have been big news. Did you hear Mary and Joseph got engaged? 
Did you hear about the news? This would have been something that not just a small group would have understood, but everybody would have known. I want you to imagine that initial hope that not only the town would have had, and the town would have been excited about it. When you hear about a wedding getting ready to happen, we always do congratulations, don't we? We say, oh, congratulations, that's fantastic, that's wonderful. When I got engaged, I told the first group, and this is not true, okay? I want to go ahead and say that before I get started. I told people, like, I can't believe it, I found somebody to finally marry me. Because Alana always said, I married you because I felt sorry for you. And I knew somebody had to do it. That's what she used to tell me. She's like, I just took one for the team. But it was a time of joy. It was a time of excitement. It was a time where two people were making a forever commitment, if you will. It was a time of, of, of great anticipation. Not just for the town, like, oh, wow, this is wonderful. But also Joseph would have been going back and preparing his home just like we do today. We plan together. We plan a future. We get prepared for those things. It was also a time of great hope. Not just that we mentioned earlier, but it was a time of wonderment of what the future might hold. It was a time of, of great blessings. It was a time of excitement. When you think about beginning a new life with a, with a person that you're going to spend all of your life together with. I was thinking about home. I was thinking about perhaps even children. It was learning to love. And knowing that there might not always be just easy times ahead, but that you could make it no matter what. I imagine there was a lot of smiling, a lot of congratulations. As I often mention, when Alana and I first, and she's not here, she came to the early service, so I'm telling all kinds of good stories this morning. When we first were planning on getting married, it was gumdrops and lollipops. We were smiling, skipping through the tulips. You know, it was just wonderful. I would say, honey, where do you want to eat? She's like, it doesn't matter. Wherever you want to eat at it, just, I just want to be with you. Oh, amen. <laughs> it was an exciting time. And for Mary and Joseph, it would have been an exciting time. It would not have been any different for them. They would have had all those same things that we often think about now, that we get excited about. But then, Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. And he is not the father. Sexual norms of the day, and I might go ahead and add God's expectation to this day, required that any intimate physical contact be reserved for two people bound by biblical marriage. Joseph knows he's not the father. There was an expectation already that they would be faithful to one another. There was a commitment that they would be faithful to one another. Joseph knew he had upheld his end of the deal, so to speak. Joseph knew he had fulfilled his commitment. And yet, I want to go ahead and add this. I want to make sure I say this. The Bible also assures us that Mary had not been unfaithful and that she had fulfilled her commitment as well too. Verse number 23 says that she was a virgin found with a child of the Holy Ghost. So we find that these were both very good, wonderful, faithful people serving God. And yet, something's changed. Verse number 19, as we go on and think about the story, it says this. 
Then Joseph, her husband, and I told you that being a husband or being a spouse was more than just being engaged. Almost legally they were married except they didn't live together. It says, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not just a good man, not just a good guy, but a just, godly, wonderful man. And I want you to think about that, a careful man. He was not willing to make her a public example. Some historians share that if he had wanted to, he could have had her stoned. If he had wanted to, he could have made a public example out of her. And yet we find him thinking about things carefully. And man, he had a lot to think about. Someone once asked this question, and I had never really thought about it. But how did Mary tell Joseph she was expecting? I never thought about that. I can imagine she came in and said, Joseph, you need to sit down. I wonder how far along she was when she told Joseph the news. You wonder where they were at. You wonder what they were doing. You wonder if they would have been, and most likely, in my imagination at least, they would have been family and friends around. There would have been people around, because that would have been the norm for that day. There would have been at least family around. When she told him that, can you imagine perhaps what they thought or what they were saying? There's one thing that we can know. There's one thing I guess we could say we could probably make a very educated guess upon. Joseph's hope had been dashed. Joseph went from being very excited about the coming marriage, very excited about all the things that were going to happen, very excited about the life he's getting ready to start, and just like that, with just a little bit of news, I can imagine that everything that he thought about was dashed. And we find that in verse number 19. It wasn't just, we don't see him planning to prepare a home anymore. It says, her husband being a just man, being a good man, being a, a godly man. We find him making plans to quietly make this go away. And not because just he was trying to hide something, because he could have had her stoned, but because he wanted to, I believe, show mercy. He was a godly man. He wanted to show grace. He wanted to show love. The thing I want you to notice this morning is in just one meeting with Mary, whatever that meeting looked like, whatever form that took, whether there was family there, whether there were friends there, whether she, whatever she shared with him, whether she told him, you need to take a seat, Joseph, and sit down over here. Whatever that looked like in just a moment... It changed his entire life. In just a moment, it took away his initial hope and excitement. It wasn't gumdrops and lollipops and skipping through the tulips. It wasn't where do you want to eat? Well, wherever you want to as long as we're together. It wasn't just everything's going to be great and wonderful and the whole town's excited. All those things in just a moment, all of his preparation all of his preparing a house, getting ready for a wife to come in, all of those things seemed gone just in an instant. All of the celebrating of the family 
You know, I told you it wasn't just the family. Now, we read in the scriptures and other places where some in her family knew. I don't know about Joseph's family. And it wasn't just her family and his family. Remember I told you that when somebody became espoused or became engaged in the, in the ancient times, if you will, the whole community would have known. Everybody would have been watching. Everybody would have seen. And just like that, what well, was once a celebration, people were no longer celebrating quite as much. All of his anticipation, all of his planning, all of his excitement about a life with young Mary seemed to be turned upside down in just an instant. Isn't it amazing how quick we can go from up here to down here? Isn't it amazing for how quick we can go from being hopeful and, and, and excited about something to just being devastated? And sometimes it just takes a moment. Sometimes it just takes a short moment. And yet, there's, some, there's good news in this message this morning. I want to remind you of something very important. When God is in the midst, hope is never dead. When God is in the midst of things, no matter what we face, no matter what the world thinks, no matter what's going on, when God is in the midst, hope is never dead. Matthew chapter number 20, we see a guy here in verse number 19 planning how to, how to quietly get rid of his wife or his espoused wife. Let me say it that way. And it says, but while he thought on these things, I've often wondered about how he thought on those things. Those of you that know me and that ever come by the church here, I don't just sit somewhere and think about something. I have to walk around. So if you ever come by and there's some guy walking around in here, perhaps in the dark, I might walk around for hours in here. I look like I might be mumbling to myself. I like to think it's me and God talking. And I'm praying. I'm seeking his guidance and seeking his help. And I'm working out things in my mind and in my heart with his help and his direction. But sometimes it takes hours. I don't know how long Joseph thought on these things. But I'm sure it was a long time. His whole life had changed. Everything had switched around. But, so, but while he thought on these things, I imagine the guy that was wore out. We're going to see where an angel came to him in a dream. Perhaps he was just so tired he just finally just fell asleep. But it said, and while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, called him by name. I love that. When God comes looking for you, he calls you by name. Chris, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Amen. He said, not only has Mary been faithful, but it's going to be a special child. It's going to be a child who's going to change the world. And I can remember when Autumn was born, I thought she sure was special. I thought she sure was sweet. And I tell you, she's still special. And she's still mostly sweet. She's not here either. But I never thought she would change the world and forgive sins. Because that's already been done through Jesus Christ. Imagine that news that he got. And I can't help but think about how things have kind of switched around. We find Mary telling this story. 
I can imagine what it was like. We talked a little bit about it like, hey, I need to talk to you. Could you sit down a little bit? Maybe friends and family around. Can you imagine the story she's trying to tell? I am pregnant except it's by the Holy Ghost. That's almost an unbelievable story. I can imagine what Joseph thought when he heard that. Oh my goodness, that's the best you could come up with? I can imagine the shock of that. And yet, what do we find right here? We find Joseph switched around. Now he's the one that had the dream. And what story did he get? He got the exact same story, didn't he? Imagine his excitement. He probably woke up and telling everybody, says, guess what, guys? An angel appeared to me in a dream. No, no, really, really. Imagine as he went to share with his family. He said, I've got some good news. I had a dream, and everything's going to be all right. They told me to go ahead and take Mary as my wife. I can imagine the family going, are you sure? Are you positive? And then it was also told to him that it was a child of the Holy Ghost. Just like Mary said, she was telling the truth. He saw it, she saw it, and it wouldn't be long before the whole world sees it, before the whole world knows it. And there was a great, wonderful celebration upon that. That good news. He went from having no hope to having great hope. He went from being having great disappointment having something to be excited about. As we get ready to close, I want to ask you, or I want you to think about a time when you were very disappointed. I want you to think about a time maybe when you were even devastated. You got some news and it's not at all what you expected. And you, you can go from being up on the mountaintop to being down in the valley, just like that. The other day, the telephone rang at the house at 4 o'clock in the morning. My first thought was, who died? Because I've come to realize that sometimes a phone call can bring the worst news. One moment you can be asleep in your bed and everything be great. And the next moment you can be awoken with the worst news of your life. Now, my phone call was not bad news. But it's a reminder of how quick bad news can come in. It's a reminder of how quick things can go from up here to down here. I want us all to think about a situation when perhaps we heard an unbelievable story from somebody. Maybe we heard a story that even seemed outrageous. I heard a tale one time about a preacher. Somebody had told something terrible about him. And it was easy for the whole group to kind of fall in line and go, yeah, I'm not surprised, yeah, yeah, I'd heard that, or yeah, I believe it. We often forget the testimony that people have lived for 10, 20, 30 years. We seem to run towards the bad, don't we? Somebody reminded me, said, Chris, we don't know whether that's true or not. I learned a lesson that day. Just because you hear something doesn't mean it's true. Just because somebody's telling something doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. Just because it's out in the public square doesn't mean it's right. Oftentimes we run towards the bad and it... It serves to disappoint us. It serves to discourage us. I want you to think of a time maybe when you've been hurt. You've been hurt. Maybe somebody hurt you. I can imagine there was a time when Joseph felt very hurt. He just felt hurt. 
Maybe there was a time when you felt humiliated. Maybe there was a time when you felt betrayed. And oftentimes it's easy for us to indulge in those things and just keep on running towards them. Sometimes I shouldn't tell this. Me and my wife will be fussing about something. And as much as I'd like to be right, I know I'm not. But I don't want to give up. And I don't want her to know that she's right. She already knows, but I don't want her to know that I know. Can I get an amen? Sometimes I'll just drag it out. I don't know if it's just to spite her or just sometimes we just like to be mad, don't we? We just like to entertain those thoughts if we're not careful. And I always find it always just makes it harder on me in the end. You see, sometimes when we don't let go of things, it just serves to hurt us. When we hold on to things, it just serves to make our life a mess. It would have been easy for Joseph to go, I don't care what happened. I don't care what anybody says. And yet, something very important here. Just one meeting with God changed his whole perspective. Just one meeting with God restored all of his hope. Just one meeting with God changed his life. The story about Mary and Joseph that we just shared and that we just read there, it's a reminder to us that hope can be around the corner even in the darkest of places. It's a reminder to us that hope can be around the corner even in the deepest of valleys. It's a reminder to us that even though we don't see it, no matter what situation there is, when God's there, hope is never dead. He can be just around the corner. Church, I think we often forget that God's in our midst. We often forget that when He's here, we have a hope no matter what. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we're facing, no matter how much we don't understand, we still have a hope. And yet I fear too often we walk away from that hope. I prepared these candles for them to make it easier for them to to light this morning. I went and I pulled all the wicks up to get them ready to kind of make it easier. I want to make sure they were up good and straight and that they weren't stuck down. And we got big candles this year because last year we almost set a fire. Somebody had to come up and blow the candle out so we didn't catch the, the greenery on fire. I think it was Janet or, or uh, whoever you are sitting over there. She, I'll think of it here in a minute, but whatever. She, somebody came out and blew that candle out so it didn't set a fire. And I realized sometimes how quick. I like that. You know what? Sometimes it's easy to make the candle flicker a little bit with hope, isn't it? I hope our hope candles as hard to blow out as that was. I hope we realize that hope's something we have to treasure. Hope's something we got to take care of. Hope's something we need to nurture. Hope's something we need to keep our eye on. Hope's there. And it's there because of Jesus Christ. As we get ready to get a song of invitation, I want to share one more scripture with you. And I want you to think about this. 
no matter what you're facing, no matter what struggle you're going through, no matter what disappointment, what trial, what tribulation, whatever might be going on in your life, when we've got Jesus Christ, we've got something to be hopeful about. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. The problem is sometimes we don't get that first piece together, which is the loving God part. We don't get that foundation laid. If you want to have hope, you can't have it without God. You can't have it without Jesus Christ. This morning, I'm going to invite you to come and make sure that you've got that cornerstone piece of Jesus Christ there. Then you can start to build hope. Love, peace, joy, all the things we're going to be talking about in the coming months. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. What's He calling you to this morning? What has God laid on your heart this morning? If you have a need, will you come?